Chog9 asks, how do you manage to be so prepared and professional for each month's podcast? <laughs> Thank the answer, you, of course, is we do it this way every time. Practice, like so many things, doing it at this level of professionalism consistently. Lynn asks, what kind of beer are you drinking? I'm drinking a Blue Moon, and Jay is drinking two Blue Moons. A good follow-up question, Lynn, would be, what time is it? And it's 3 p.m. here in New York, but David said he was drinking, and I didn't want to feel left out. You just take my beer? Yeah, he did. That's my only second beer. <laughs> There's still time. Joel's still working on the intro. For what it's worth, I'm not sure any of us want Blue Moon to represent us as a beer if we had to pick one. Yeah, we should have chosen a more hipster beer. This is way too mainstream. Stack Exchange Podcast is recorded in front of a live drunk audience. Live from New York. This is the Stack Exchange Podcast, episode 63, recorded Friday, March 6th, 2015 at Stack Exchange headquarters in New York City, New York, where 8 million people enjoy the benefits of democracy and live under the tyranny of snow, slush, <laughs> and ice. Today's podcast is brought to you by Cool Whip from Kraft Foods. A description for this result is not available because of the site's robots.txt. Learn more. On today's podcast, VP of Community, Jay Hanlon, and VP of Engineering, David Fullerton. Hi. Good afternoon. Ex-producer, Alex. I'm your host, Joel Spolsky. Welcome back, you guys. Hi. Great to be back, Joel. Can I just start by saying, I really like how you pronounce the H in Cool Whip. That was just really... What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. It sounded very refined. You mean Cool Whip? So, so I just... Um, do we have $40 million more dollars? Because I really like that last time we had a podcast. <laughs> oh, you just want to redo that podcast. No, he wants another $40 million. But yeah, that would be ideal. Oh, thanks. After I spent all that time getting a sponsor lined up. So, we've done a lot of stuff. What's been happening? Lots of things have happened. I went to London. You did? I visited our London office. Tell us about London, David. Some people may not realize we have an office in London. It's full of salespeople and a couple technical people. So, I flew over to meet them and eat British food, which was not my favorite and um see the awesome graffiti on the walls which we should tweet and link to in the show notes i'm envisioning you in like a buckingham palace guard outfit pointing at big ben no no they don't let you wear those unless you know you're from there that was what (laughs) that's what dimitar was wearing that makes sense yeah that makes sense and marketing people yes can't forget the marketing people so why did you go to london i went because we operate a remote team so actually the impetus came in uh october we had our company meetup at, at our Denver office and we flew all the remote folks out. And for the first time I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of really smart people here that I don't know. I should meet them. And I was kind of amazed how many of them lived in London. Smart people. You didn't This was that. Denver. This was Denver. So then I decided I should go to London and, you know, meet the queen and um, <laughs> in the sales office. So I did. So I went and I met the marketing team there. Did you get knighted? Because now you can't become president of the United States. <laughs> didn't get is knighted, that, that unfortunately. Yeah. In the Constitution. Okay. We brought some of our like European devs out. So uh, Ben Dumkey and Dean Ward, who is British but lives in Ireland, which is very confusing. Speaking of which, even British people can't help you find your way around London. They don't know where they're going. No. The first night we were there- They're not Londoners. They tried to, to take honest. us to a bar and we wandered around for like 20 minutes. And then we These got there. Sorry, right? we were tra- not trying to go to a bar. We were trying to go to a restaurant. We got there and they yeah. were like, oh, we're a was bar. The, it yes, it was a pub. Sorry, I should oh, get completely right. There's no bars it? in London. The kitchen was closed, is the punchline, after all that wandering around. That was a great story. We had to go find a different restaurant. These stories are just getting better and better. Sorry, Ben Dumkey von der Ehe. Maybe Very I'm going to start over. This is the Stack Exchange <laughs> Podcast, episode 60.
Let me see your list. Show me your list of the things that we're going to be talking about on this podcast. No, we decided go over it. First. We decided the, the list wasn't working for us, so we're we're just we're going we're going freeform here. Can we, if there's anybody in the audience that has any questions, let's go straight to audience interaction because this is just hopeless. Yeah, feel free to post questions in the chat room. In the meantime, I should talk about some stuff we've been doing, working on. Yeah, got stuff. Now you're looking at a list. It's a secret list. You're not allowed to know, Joel. Okay. If you knew, it would defeat the whole purpose. Okay. User Undo asks, does London or New York City have faster internet in the office? It's a trick question. There's Every no way to know because Every stack exchange office so has fast. the fastest internet That's in correct. the world, That's and right. so it is a three-way yeah. tie between a bigger way tie. Matter. It's so fast that I use it to measure the speed of other people's internet access. The answer is New York. Uh, <laughs> way, to, way to ruin our fun, Alex, with an actual wait, wait, It's easy to brag. Let, let's do, we need some we science here. We have 1.4 gigabits Hang of on. combined capacity. Hang on, yeah, so you say. Let's see right now. 1.4, wow. Oh, my oh, God. Don't run the speed test. Every time you do that, an IT person gets an alarm in their cell phone. You can download really? the entire... Wow. Okay. Really? I'm gonna, let's see if that's yeah. true. Get some questions, please. Should we talk about new features? Let's talk about... Yeah, so uh, let's talk about some things that we've been working on. Any new cues released lately, asks producer Abby. Yes. So. It's like a line, but we call them cues now because we've been to London. That's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's so fancy. It's a watch. Now he refers it to as the laboratory. That's the laboratory. Very, oh, very, it's very tedious. Yes, where we do make experiments with aluminium. Yeah, I'm so sorry I'm late. I was in the tube and my torch wouldn't work. Uh, okay. <laughs> so we'll call them cues to honor David. That's what you call it, a torch. <laughs> and whatever you say, he's like, mind the gap. You're like, there's no gap, buddy. No, they have the gap there. Banana Republic. <laughs> I see it. It's on Regent Street. We're supposed to be talking about the Huggy Q. The Huggy Q. So I think last time we were here all together, we were already testing the triage Q. And the quick reminder is we've talked a number of times about trying to make sure we get questions that need help and guidance sort of where they can get it and get questions that are awesome to the front page. Sorry. The triage queue is a queue that is designed for users to be able to go, this is awesome, send to the front page. This is really, really unsavable and probably has to get closed. And then in the middle, we have this category of these questions appear savable, but need work. They are not really kind of totally up to our standards or editing or feedback from more experienced users would help these grow into the kind of questions that we know they can be. These look like C minus questions, but not through any form of malevolence or bad intent. Yeah, I'd, I'd say B minus through Ds, kind of, yeah. you got there. It's like a range. Sure, sure, And, and sure. so the notion sure. here is sure. these these are not ones where you're like, yeah, that's fine. Could be a tiny bit better, but it's good. And they're not like, this is garbage. No one can help this. They fall into the zone of, if someone they were to take the, the time, zone of the question itself is appearing in code font. Or correct. Is so a, code. A, a great example of a question like this <laughs> yeah. is the person's basically describing what outcome they want that they're not getting it. They've included their code and a lot of hard to read text and pretty much all the information you read, but it's a big block of sort of unreadable text. They haven't really nailed quite necessarily exactly what error message they're getting, but it's really easy to guess. And so they need somebody to really fix it up to make it usable for others, especially reusable. And the idea here, the background for this big picture is we wanna get great questions straight to the homepage where lots of people see them, questions that are really unsavable with the closed queue as we always did. And in the middle, we wanted to do is get these to a place they could be improved and then sent somewhere with a lot of visibility. And they're not, this isn't like some dungeon. They're still on, you know, the tag pages and everywhere else, but they're not going to be as prominently featured on the homepage until they've been spruced up on the front page. Finally. Yes. And the beauty there is the people Long that- time listeners to this podcast will remember that I asked Jeff for that feature 700 years ago when there still was Jeff. And I said- <laughs> There still is a Jeff. People don't really have a right just to get the questions on the homepage. They should just go to a purgatory, like some kind of a waiting area. We're really trying not to describe people. it as purgatory. Yeah, every time you people. talk about this idea, I hate it, even though it's That's the same thing we're all the, talking we about. We call it the huggy queue, Joel. The huggy, huggy queue. I'm sorry. It's sort of, like, sort of like a JFK when you land on an international flight. You go into the huggy queue for a while. 
No, it's a nasty place full of stinky people. I don't think I've experienced that at JFK. From an international, when you land from an international flight, it's like little sneaky lines. Do people hug you? Joel runs up and hugs you. He hugs everybody who's there. It's really the (laughs) immigration line. How Joel gets to the head of the line, he just hugs everyone in turn. Until everyone realizes they should clear the way or you'll hug them. For the crazy guy. So anyway, so the triage queue has been working for a while, has been live. We've been testing it. It's been going really well. People have been doing, I think, a very, very impressive job. But it's been a little bit constipated in the sense that there is no outlet for the huggy stuff. So it's just been piling up. Correct. So the main thing we've been doing is really it's had a relatively small influence on what's on the front page. And we've been watching how people are categorizing stuff. And the easy stuff for us to look at was the stuff people said were terrible was terrible. It was actually going very, very well. We were happy about that. Josh may have stats. I don't have them handy in front of me on kind of what percent of things were which. What we found was the stuff that people said was bad was bad. The stuff that people said was great and could go to the front page belonged on the front page. I don't go so far to say it was great, but it was damn good. And a lot of people who were three people said it was great and belonged on the homepage. All right, I got some stats for you they here. They upvoted it because they felt it deserved it. You want to read the stats? Read the stats. Okay, so the looks good uh, queue. I don't even know what the, I don't know what the columns mean. Well, it just looks fantastic. I see a bunch of numbers with percentages and two decimals <laughs> of accuracy. So this is obviously really good. Should be improved. There, there right. are quite a lot that should be improved. Uh, Josh says, if we make our window yeah. wide enough. So there's three outcomes to the triage queue. Yeah. Looks good, should be improved, unsalvageable. Right. So just looking at the stats, it's pretty clear that we are accurately labeling the unsalvageable ones. Only 5% of the ones that were labeled as unsalvageable ever got answered. Oh, yeah. That's actually very interesting. For example, of the looks good one, 20% got upvoted. And of the unsalvageable ones, 2.87%. Before I get to that, let's start, give the audience the main breakout. 86.67%, which implies a very small sample, got unsalvageable negative scores. Given the numbers, though, so just to be clear, so what you got coming out of this is 17% of questions were deemed unsalvageable. So 17% of what came into triage, 16.84%. of all the questions. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm forgetting something. This isn't all the questions coming into Stack Overflow. These are merely the ones... That a little regular expression, machine learning kind of thing. Yeah, there's no said, machine learning. I don't know what to do. Most more regular expression I than machine learning. I can't even guess. Correct. So there's two things that happen: is users who have over a certain amount of rep, I believe, are automatically exempted. I don't know what that level is offhand. So if you've been around long enough to have accumulated a lot of rep, you bypass this automatically. Every other user's question goes into this triage queue, and then I believe if the quality algorithm detects a very high confidence level that it is awesome or terrible, it gets kind of filtered yeah before. no that's the theory it's not doing that right it's now right, that right now it's just funneling stuff into the triage queue and they get rated did i say algorithm wrong kevin wrote algorithm it's, it's uh, he kevin says algorithm in quotes because it's really just some regular expressions do we still have that rule that you're not allowed to put your in the title of a question? yes so <laughs> so anyway that's that's the, the triage queue so it's interesting so the triage queue is more or less working right it, it's certainly identifying three tiers of questions yes. you know the best ones the worst ones and the ones in the middle the problem is, it quickly became obvious as soon as we launched the help and improvement queue that the middle ones, which are supposed to be, you know, these are salvageable by some kind soul who wants to put some time into editing them, are not always that. We don't seem to be accurately labeling them. That was everybody, you know, a lot of people's first reaction to going and trying this new queue, the help and improvement queue, is like, uh, the queue's fine, but the questions in it are not actually something I can help without the posters, you know, active participation in me helping them. So let's step back for a second, right? So if we talk about what's going on in this queue, coming out of triage, we got, call it 42% of questions are going to benefit from improvement. So there's 42% that are in the middle, basically. People are saying, of these questions from relatively new users, these could use a little bit of love to be able to survive. They probably can survive to get the love. 
and they go now into the newly being tested. And we shipped this probably a little bit rougher than we often do because we wanted to get community feedback before we kept doing too many things. They go to this place, and this place is basically saying, if you want to come and put some effort not so rough. into helping new people, often by showing them how to make a question good, and there's basically, I would say, if the thing belongs here, and one thing we have realized, there's more in this queue than we expected to be that perhaps should have been marked unsalvageable to start with, to left topic, or maybe even was good, but mostly the, the not so good. But so these need some help, and the help basically falls into one of two buckets, which is either I can, as a reviewer, go in and fix it. I can code format it. it, I can edit it, and it's primarily a series of edits to get the right tags on. A lot of these are mistagged. The titles are very consistently not great. Titles are apparently hard for new users. And then the other case, which is much smaller, is that in some cases, the user needs to provide more information. So they have left out a key fact that a good reviewer can't guess. And so in that case, what they basically need is a comment saying, we'd love to help you, but we cannot until you tell us what operating system or language you are referring to, because we can't figure it out. But to David's point, one of the interesting things in this queue is it's a lot of work. Like, so the asking someone to take a kind of really kind of messily, awkwardly written question and edit it is a much bigger task than anything we do in any other queue which is daunting a little bit. And it's made worse when too much of the stuff in here probably right now is unsavable. One of the things I think we've been a little bit surprised by is there's much more in here than we would have guessed that is totally off topic. Can we just amuse ourselves by going into this queue right now? Sure, sure, Let's sure. Do it. Great. Okay. Let's do it. I'm going to stackoverflow.com and then I'm clicking review. Do, do, do. Close votes, help, help and improvement. It's the second queue right there. And there's help and improvement. Da, 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 da. We need your help. Editing questions to be clear and answerable. Okay, and the first question is... How to convert PNG8 in Graphics Magic. I want to convert the input 8-bit PNG image to 8-bit. I have tried using Graphics Magic, period. But I, lowercase, don't know how to convert PNG in Graphics Magic. This just needs a bunch of formatting, it looks like, I guess, right? This looks, this looks like it just needs to be rewritten in clearer English. I'm going to hit skip. I didn't get that question. Wait, wait. You, you, wait, wait what's, this, you're what's <laughs> wrong with this queue, Joel. You just described what to Well, do. somebody else can do it. Oh, okay, never mind. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's here. I'm here. I'm back. Everyone, we're witnessing the tragedy of the commons live, live, right in front of you. I want to convert the input. It's not really the input. It's more like an input, 8-bit PNG image to 8-bit. 8-bit PNG image to 8-bit. What? That doesn't make any sense. So this is where it gets tricky. Ah. This is why. So I think this is really interesting. You this know, is this a problem is... because what's going to happen is I'm going to make this question be written in beautiful, elegant English, and it's still going to be completely illogical. This is the whole iterating in public, right? So I think we're, we're going to have to iterate on this help yeah. and improvement queue. Like, we're already learning a lot that it's not quite working, and it's pretty hard to edit these questions. Again, my theory is, like, most of these questions, they may be salvageable, but only if the user who posted them is willing to come back and help. So, like, I could edit it a little bit and leave them a comment, but... Unless they're willing to come back and tell me a little bit more about what they're looking for, I don't know how much I can do for them. Let me poke at you a little bit. So how much of that is feeling like it's not worth the effort unless they're coming back anyway versus you're suggesting that a large percent of these questions require user information that they have and we don't. I'm not sure. Some are like that for sure. That may sure. be right. There's also a definite feeling. I didn't get it this time, but the, the first one I got last time I tried this was like from user, you know, it didn't have a username, user one, two, three, four, five or something. And there is definitely a feeling of like, really, am I going to put, you know, five minutes? It's a solid amount of work into this only to have this user, you know, never show up again. And I think that's more, con so actually, and interestingly, to be fair, user Michael Burkowski, who's I think been active on the MetaPost too, is also suggesting that at least it feels like a large number of them need information from the OP, which wasn't my anecdotal observation, but I, I didn't You could just write a comment saying, that. we need the following information, right? Yeah, although the truth and that is, what just do? yes, so it's designed to handle that too, but I do agree with him and I think with, that the queue will work best and is most functional in those scenarios where really someone can show someone what to do. 
a couple of things that we know are missing right now are worth mentioning. So one thing right now that it doesn't do uh, wonderfully is it doesn't do a good enough job of making it clear that one viable path, you click on edit or skip, you click edit, you try and edit stuff, and it takes you through. One interesting thing that I thought was really clever the team came up with, which sounded weird, but I think works really well, is they change the order. They ask you to edit the body and then to edit the title. And it's actually, I think, much more, it's not intuitive, but it's much more logical. So this one seemed crazy to me. We should put the title at the bottom. That's exactly what we do. When you ask a question. Well, so we're doing that in the queue right now, and I think we are seriously considering, at least for new users, moving the title to the bottom. But doesn't that seem super confusing just from a regular UX point of view? Like, you start with the title. It's It seems confusing Why to me to titles? sit down and so, start writing this. Yeah, but David, it's, it's not intuitive. I agree. You expect a title to be at the top, but assume you expect nothing, and you just walk in. <laughs> The problem is... Nobody expects nothing. Everyone has used the internet before to type things no, into boxes. No, but a box. Yeah. You're used to seeing a box. And they got the Spanish position, which nobody was expecting either. <laughs> no one expects... But one thing that I think has been a consistent... Disagree if you want in the chat room, but titles are terrible. All new user titles are terrible. Even users who write pretty good posts do not write good titles. Because titles are from the past. It, well, part of it is they start If you guys by... did my feature where it's just next, 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 next to look through the questions instead of going back and forth to the page and looking at the titles and clicking through and going back. So for through. those of you in the audience who yeah. are not yelled at by Joel this week, yes. the feature that Joel is bemoaning is not live yet. He described to not us 48, <laughs> hour, 48 hours ago <laughs> yeah. and is basically the notion that it ought to be possible to basically forward and back that whatever list you came yeah. to a question from, if you are a person reviewing questions, probably to see if you want to answer them, yeah. you shouldn't have to go back to the list, click again, go back again, that he would prefer to be able to go next. See the questions. Yeah, the entirety. point of the title. Uh, no, but the point the, is, but let's go back. The to title titles. doesn't tell you. It, uh, the point is, is that the, the title, title does is give like you a subject line on email. It's from the past. All the new forms mean? of communication don't have titles. Yeah, but here, the David Twitter, the, Tumblr doesn't have titles on your blog I post. I want a short, but Twitter is no, only let, 140 characters to begin let with. Let me go further. Plenty. Let me go further. The problem with the title for a Tumblr person, is for sharing funny pictures or not funny. That is correct. Here's the problem: is what a title does when you come in. You're thinking like when I sit down and write a title, I think of a text messages. I think of a problem statement and a good thesis statement, and that's not what normal people do. When you ask them to start with a title, it's the same as the problem when someone comes in and says it's not working. They start from the very vague description of their experiencing that is not trying to tie up all the key facts. It's actually one could argue if one were being argumentative that forcing you to think about the title forces you to actually think what is at the heart of my problem right now. But people don't. And let me do that first. And then I'll explain But that, it. this is like saying, wouldn't uh, yeah, it be great? Correct. We People should make don't. every user yeah. come up with a great yeah, yeah, thesis yeah, yeah, statement. I understand, I understand. But they don't. The right. body is the right. rubber duck. Right. The body makes you talk out the problem in detail. Yeah. It forces you to hit all the, if you're trying at all, to hit yeah, all the pieces yeah, necessary. This is all, this is all whatever. It's just theory Just get rid of the title and put in the next previous. Get rid of the whole, all these, this concept of all these pages that show you a list of titles. You're going to do something unintuitive to the user on a weak theoretical argument on, you know, oh, maybe it'll be easier to write a title at the end. More, more testing needed. No, no, but I, hang, on, I hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Think about it like this. For these users, in this scenario... When I'm looking at a question, where does the title appear? The bottom. No. <laughs> oh, mate. But hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because you're, 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 I think you're, you're talking about the... the <laughs> on the spot of the book. You're talking about when you ask the question. You're not really arguing yeah. that the users in this review queue are going to struggle and be confused, these users, our power users, by the fact the title is at the bottom instead of the top. That's sure going they to... are. It's unintuitive. Just like that comment box but, at the bottom that is both a revision comment and a comment that's so that, going to be added to the post. That is unintuitive. But think about it like this, David. When you're looking at someone else's I'm problem, getting null. does it make any sense to ask them to describe the perfect title to a question they haven't looked at yet? It doesn't matter. People are capable of looking you know, in more than one place at different times. They can read down and then come back up to the title. 
This is it's most, confusing. I'm looking. Where's the this title is the most on this thing? I just clicked edit. Argument I've ever heard. I just clicked edit on this thing. I was looking at it. The title was at the top, and then a body, and then some tags, and then I clicked edit, and you rearranged them all for no apparent reason. No, there's a very good reason. Is you cannot edit a title intelligently until you've read the body. I read the body before I clicked edit. <sighs> this is actually I have now actually found the worst question on Stack Overflow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Thank God room. we got something out of that. The discussion. title is bad. The title is I am getting null, and then it just has this big, huge select statement from SQL. The question is 2885-9582. Wait, what are we doing? We're looking at question 2885-9582. Go stackoverflow.com slash Q slash 2885-9582. And the title is I'm getting null. And then the person <laughs> says, the below query working fine, but I am getting ID null. Anyone help PLS? Somebody edited this. This is better than it was when it started. 2885-9582. Somebody added code formatting. <laughs> <laughs> sort of useless act. <laughs> I was sort of surprised given that, uh, but it's a terrible title, but it's an even worse question. There's nothing wrong with the title here together. because the whole thing needs to be blown. Yes. And what's interesting about this question is that the person that's asking it could not possibly think that we're going to be able to answer their question. Like, how could they possibly have a worldview? How could this person in their brain possibly have a worldview that they have in any way provided us with they something even remotely approximating no, no. the correct information you've, you've that we need this to answer their question? They don't you, know. They don't know what they don't know. No, they don't. They think they, that they I don't even know what they're doing. They think they have a syntax error. They're getting null. They think they have a syntax error. They don't realize that the null is coming from the data that they're selecting. I would not actually be surprised if they haven't copied this particular select statement from another question that they asked. No, I'm pretty sure the person who asked this question didn't write this query. They, oh, yeah, they're, exactly. They're trying to fix something that somebody who knew how to write a SQL query has built. written. And it's not producing Now it's producing null nulls. and throwing exceptions. Uh, dear, dear audience, please stop downvoting the question. It's been covered. It's okay. <laughs> it's already down it, to are, minus already, three it, right now. The, the appropriate comments <laughs> were placed. It's going to be closed very soon. Well, it's, it's fine. It's fine as, uh, right now. But I think, Joel, you've answered this yourself. There's two possibilities. One, to David's point, is they don't realize they're asking the wrong question or they're missing information because they don't know what the problem is. And the That's second so one is there's a first step. It's like when my wife is in the other room and she says, this isn't working. And I'm like, yeah. how could I possibly respond to yeah, you? That, I have that, nothing. That's the, the, I would just like to uh, open a conversation here. This is a bad question. It's unsalvageable. Wow. And it's got that PLS, and that was only two days ago. Sorry. It's, it would be, wouldn't it be, it's it would be a, a disaster to our algorithms if we told people that it's the PLS instead of please, where you write PLZ or Good PLS. Idea. Yeah, we should add that, that really to the regex. No, so, it's in there. It's in there. So this is... This question got as much help as it deserves, right? Some very nice people actually tried to comment on it and tried to help the person. They did. They, they, get... didn't, they didn't get anywhere. It's over. Uh, sorry. But that's exactly right, right? This worked, I think, as intended, which this is a question that could help someone if the author comes back and provides information. People took the time to request the necessary information, which is appropriate. Sadly, they didn't come back, which is too often the case. No, he's but... in the comments right there saying, I want print group underscore concat ID value. <laughs> which also just there's like, also a doesn't There's make a sense. language disconnect here yeah, as well. Yeah, and that's... This is not somebody who's a native English speaker. No, but speaker. this is also somebody that doesn't really understand what select statements do. All right, never mind. I'm sorry. And what are you I don't doing? Mean to be harsh. You're like violating it. your own policies. <laughs> What's my policy? This question is unclear. So, like, I, this is this question. We may not be able to save this question. On hold. I closed it before it got even more downvotes. I like how you you made closing it seem like a really kind thing to do there. It was. It, no, I, didn't, it, I didn't close it. I put it on hold. Not saying it wasn't appropriate. I'm just, and I know. said you're going to provide additional details. So anyway, I think there's some interesting. Did I violate some po no, my no, own no, policy no, no. that I made? Yeah, you were you were starting to get excited about. I feel like I'm picking about on this question specifically, or the author who's oh, they're struggling here. So. <laughs>
but Sorry. we've tried to struggle with them and we haven't gotten there yet. So I'm that's gonna, okay. I'm going to go ahead and delete the PLS just to... But anyway, I think it's a new exercise for us. I think one of the key things in this queue that is important is I think it's actually separating people a little bit, which is like we've had sort of, I think, some power users reflecting like, this is too much work. I don't want to do this. And that's kind of part of the point. Part of the point is to basically say the people that don't want to deal with questions like these shouldn't have to. Sure. And like The thing that makes me the saddest on our sites is when someone comes in and asks a question that is not great but is, you know, trying and is not, it's on topic, but it's weak and it's poorly written. And then someone else answers it, like gives some feedback or something. And then a third party's like, stop doing that. That encourages the exact problem. Yeah. The thing we're doing wrong is those people who are yeah, frustrated, yeah, yeah. getting, getting mad, yeah. should be insulated from that. They don't want to see, yeah, see it. They want to see beautiful questions and That's answer right. them all day. And we should help them do that. That's right. But we should help and allow like those other two people. Between first class right. and no, uh, no. class. <laughs> Every time I try and do something good, you make it some creepy elitist thing that makes me sad. It's and not I like I the feel curtain like, between first class. I feel and... like I want to switch sides. <laughs> it's like a little announcement on the plane where they say, you know, I'd like to remind you that federal regulations require that the lavatories in the front of the airplane only be used by those travelers who are traveling in the front of the airplane. They make it sound like the defense secretary does not want me peeing in first class, <laughs> and I don't buy it. I don't to, buy to it. To be clear, he doesn't want you peeing in the first class cabin. Yeah. Maybe in the bathroom. <laughs> okay, fair. but certainly yeah. not in first class. I feel like the letter I got from United Airlines was very clear on this issue, Alex, and I'd appreciate you not bringing it up again. <laughs> we have a user a feature I'm suggestion. I'm so surprised that you framed that Feature letter. suggestion in the chat room. Oh. User Lynn Crumbling suggests a new badge idea. Yeah. Silver. Almost famous. Almost famous. You had a question closed by Joel Spolsky. Wow. I, I, I like that. That is famous, though. It or is might, it, uh, uh, might yeah. be some perverse incentives for Joel Spolsky, but I like... Uh... That's right. Send a self-addressed stamp so, envelope. Put your question number on... Let's think for a sec. How, in an envelope with how a would $5 you, bill and mail it to... Say you were trying to get that badge. Yeah. How would you accomplish it? First, you, you'd have to ask a oh. really mediocre question, then somehow bring it to Joel's attention like without say, him knowing that you were the one... Just take a $5 bill, tape it to the back no, of a no, postcard super, with the number of the question, and mail it to me. Super easy. You just tweet out, like, you write a terrible mm -hmm. question. Or Venmo. And then you tweet, like, at Taco Spolsky, please oh, give taco. me to codes. And then Joel diligently yes. observes tacos. Kevin points account. out it needs to be Excel VBA, because really Joel yeah. is the only one watching those questions at this point. No, there's a couple of people in there. It so anyway, one. Helper's Q, I think, is we're learning a lot. I think it actually, it is working in some cases. One of the things that is jumping out at us is we need to think about how to better control what's going in there and give the people in there more ways to deal with the stuff that shouldn't be going in there, as well as probably control some of it at the triage level. But I think this is when we shipped a little bit rough and we knew it, and it's helping us figure more out instead of polishing things that we were going to have to cut off entirely. Interesting. Uh, this, should we talk about closing since we're talking about Excel questions? Let's That's talk about closing. Favorite topics. So there was a blog post. Something about moving data centers? Yeah, that one. That was a good blog post. Did we ever have that on the podcast, the moving of the data centers? No, but they live tweeted it, so you can go read the whole and then, Twitter yeah. stream. Then I unplugged the fourth Ethernet fourth. cable. <laughs> That's really what that's about. And I plugged it into the new server. And after that, you might think I would go to the fifth, but we call the next one the sixth <laughs> Ethernet cable. No, it's not that bad, but it's I will actually, read you it's something a, it is from a very good, It's a very good blog post by our own Nick Craver. Link it in the show notes. Can you a do a dramatic a reading, stuff Joel? Like, sure. Okay, here, you go, here you go. Here you go. <clears throat> on top of NY-VM01 and 02 was one of the one gigabyte FEXs and one U of cable management. Luckily for us, everything is plugged into both FEXs and we could rip one out early. This means we could spin up the new VM infrastructure faster than we had planned. Yep, we're already changing the plan, VM. That's how it goes. <laughs> Uh, let me skip ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the split with two half-fold chassis gives us two things. 
capacity to expand by double and avoiding any single points of failure with the VM hosts. The net result of this upgrade is substantially more CPU and memory from 528 gigabytes to 3,072 gigabytes overall, as well as network connectivity. The old hosts each had 4x one gigabyte trunk this was great. for most access and 2x uh, you, I feel like this was just enough sample of the blog post that people can tell whether this is the kind of thing they would like to read more of or oh, not. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. The people that like this stuff. Dang. There is a lot it's like, of... It's like fan fiction. It's like... Except it's There's a true. lot of detail in this it's blog true. post. And it all happened. And oh, and it was snowing. And look, here's a picture of all the servers lined up. One of them was they got down. to sleep in the data center. That was they exciting. They sleep they, in the data center. cots. It's kind of like Night in the Museum, but more Nothing wires. Nothing came to life. And, and fewer dinosaurs. And No, there uh, was one dinosaur. Almost no Teddy Roosevelt. Very little Teddy Did Roosevelt. Did the servers come to life? That's the real question. Can we please talk about the thing we're actually supposed to talk about? Okay. So... The actual blog post. Oh, the blog post. So this blog post, let's give it the proper hat tip. So embeddedrelated.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's worth a read. The name of the blog post is My Love-Hate Relationship with Stack Overflow. It's by Jason Sachs, who is the owner of embeddedrelated.com and is also a long time- Why are you pointing that out? Because it's worth talking about. <sighs> Actually, there's parts I agree with. There's parts I don't agree with. But I think big picture, he touches on some points that I think are valid, that are worth thinking about, that are at a minimum- Cause for discussion. And I think the normal reaction to these things is we basically say, we have good reasons for behaving the way we do. He's on the wrong side of this and we don't agree with him and we hate him. And I don't think that's quite accurate. There's stuff that I think he gets right and there's stuff he gets wrong. Okay. You yeah. have to motivate the listeners who haven't read this blog post by telling them what's in the I blog post. I want to make them guy. read it. No. No. <laughs> so Tell them what it says. Yeah. So the big picture way I'd describe this is, in fairness to him, he's been a long-term contributor, done a lot of great work on the site, whether he wants to continue or not. I think he's done a lot for the site. He's, he's contributed a lot. He's helped a ton of people. And what the post basically does is he basically lays out all the things he really likes about Stack Overflow and continues to and thinks we got right and believes in and thinks are wonderful. Sure. And then he gets into the things that he has found over time have become more of a negative and that how ultimately, and he, to be fair, didn't do what we often call rage quitting. He's like, I'm out of here and delete my account. He basically said he's noticed his activity has dropped off and he's thought about why and he tried to put words to it and walk through the things that he thinks have made the experience on site worse for him and less rewarding for him. Than it was at the beginning. Than it was before. Yeah. And I think he oversimplifies some stuff and he makes a couple of things sound, you know, I think easier than they are, or doesn't have some context. But I think a lot of his main points are fair ones, that there are things we do due to practical realities or that were necessary to kind of make things work smoothly that are not optimal and are bad experiences. And the thing that makes me sad about a user like this feeling this way is this is a guy who truly enjoyed helping people for a long time. Mm -hmm. And anytime you see a situation where someone who really enjoyed helping others is finding it less rewarding, whether it's because he thinks we close too much and it's mean, or because she thinks we make her slog through too many crappy questions. Wait, did he just change into a she? Well, two different people. Oh, two these are two cases. hypothetical examples. I was trying to fight gender things. Bob so I made it a mean. It was the she was the mean one who hates the new users, and I don't know. I'm just grabbing things. Got it. You but, see what happened though is that you drew attention to it. I confused. That's right. I confused things. You um, you drew attention to it. Joe. Audience in the podcast room are asking me to read the. <laughs> If you want to hear the blog post, in, it's unabridged Stack format. Overflow since December of 2008. And that's why we're proud to have Audible.com as our sponsor. If you subscribe to Audible.com, you get two audiobooks a week read by Joel that he's never seen before. I would that's right. subscribe for that. That's right. You know, I just thought of an idea. 8-bit video games on tape. 8-bit video games. <laughs> so if you're vision impaired... You can listen to 8-bit video games instead of playing them. It appears that the bike is still not excited, but exactly. it is doing a wheelie. Exactly. Just like that. So it may yes. clear yes. the hump. The plumber has jumped up to another platform level. 
<laughs> oh my. There was an invisible block there that he has hit with his head, revealing a coin. He's okay. up to 67 what coins. What just happened? I, I don't even I know. I had a business idea. Do, okay, do, so. Are we supposed do, to be working on new content do, do, types? Do, 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 so this blog post. Thank you, so this, Jay. Jay is, Jay is going even, along why with do, I don't, Why am I even here? Do, 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 why do, do I even bother? <laughs> what do we think about this blog post? We do take it seriously. I'm sorry. This has turned into a morning drive show zoo version of the Stacking Exchange podcast. And it's my fault. So this was the rare blog post that had me, I actually... <laughs> Disagreed with Jay. Came into chat from vacation to oh. rant about this blog post. It was in Florida, like on a beach in theory. Yes. Yeah. Came back from the beach in order to jump into chat and rant about this blog post for an hour. And then I heard that similarly later in the afternoon, Joel came into Jay's office and ranted at him for an hour. Did I? On a different aspect of this. Already completely forgotten that. <laughs> you, you did. There's nothing like having like the, the CTO on vacation screaming... Why can't we be nice to new people? Oh, I'm yeah. like, yeah, not, that's, uh, I, I hadn't thought about that. Not actually, that's CTO. <laughs> that's a good idea. It's a good idea. It's, 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 it's the same no, idea. It's more Joel, Joel won't let me call myself the CTO. I'm you VP know, engineer. If, I, if you hadn't asked to be called Grand Moff Fullerton to start with, your second suggestion might have gotten a little more. Can I, I think that actually my question was, why are so many people having this experience of, I searched for a problem on the internet and I found an answer on Stack Overflow and there was a great answer there and it was closed. Yeah. I think that was like, can we not fix that by now? Is there not a way to at least address? It's okay if it's like a humorous thing. So that's one of the things that made me angry. So, okay, so I don't agree with everything in this post. And I agree, we all agree. Like, let's just set aside, we all agree. There are things that need to be closed. We're not talking about getting rid of closing. Right. And the author acknowledges that, to be fair. Yes, the thing that, uh, these examples that people keep bringing up, we keep saying, oh, well, that's just one example. Or, we, you know, oh, we'll reopen no. this one or... Oh, well, maybe technically it fell afoul of rules, but it, it does seem to keep happening over and over again. And there's so a I lot went, of them that I just reopened. I went and queried a bunch of, <laughs> so that's what, part of what I did for my hour of ranting. I went yeah. and wrote a query for upvoted questions with upvoted answers that had recently been closed and started yeah. and reopened like a half dozen of them. Yeah, there's probably a thousand. So that's what was making me crazy is this idea that we all understand why we need to have rules. We understand why certain things won't work. Sure. And there are rules like for too broad that, okay, we close these things because they're not going to get a good answer. But, but sometimes they do. How does it make sense to close them once they have gotten once they a good have answer? Gotten, exactly. Theoretically, the answer exactly, is signposts. But people. all the signposts are doing, they are vastly making people angry, not teaching them. Signposts. Wait, let's leave off signposts okay, for a minute. Forget signposts. I'm so excited about well, that. We'll come back to that. Is it not absurd ah, to put close? Put a pin in it. Pin. Sorry, David, I want to hone in on what you just said, which is that a lot of times there is a question that has been closed because it appears to violate some rule, the, the letter of some law, but yes. the spirit of the law is not being violated at all for some reason. Let's talk about too broad. Too broad is a classic example, which David already mentioned, i.e. somebody asks for something, and really we just can't tolerate that kind of question because nobody can be bothered to answer it. However, somebody has, and there's an amazing answer, which is serving the internet, and it's getting thousands of upvotes, and everybody's coming in and looking at it, and they're nevertheless saying, ah, it's too broad or something similar, or it's too opinion-based or whatever, even though there's a great answer there. And in every one of these cases, we have somehow trained people to kind of do what Cialdini calls click were, i.e. you see something and you immediately respond. Sort of like my puppy, my dog, Taco. There's certain things. Do you have a dog, Joel? I have a dog. <laughs> name Don't distract him. He's, Husky. He's, he's almost on topic. And you can get him to do certain things because he's just been trained that like when you say this, do that. And he'll just do it automatically, no matter how silly or ridiculous it like is. Like he'll close it as too localized as soon as you mention a place. That's Correct. what he can do now. Yes. Oh, my God. He just bangs his paw on the <laughs> close we button. We mentioned on this podcast the question on server fault about Wi-Fi, which was closed as too localized because the Wi-Fi standards are different in the United States and the rest of the world. <laughs> and this question 
because it was about Wi-Fi, obviously applied only to the United States or the rest of the world, where the frequencies on which Wi-Fi operates are different, and therefore it is too localized. That happened. It only applies, like, there's only a few billion people this is relevant to. It is only relevant to the United States. No, but it was actually, because it was about Wi-Fi at all, it could not possibly be of relevance to. Anyhow. Yes. (gasps) Okay. So, yes, David is right, which is one of the problems that we're dealing with. Jay, you had a nice way of saying one of the things that we have is we're trying to police things with a group of 80,000 people that we only barely control. Oh, think, yeah. What was your way of expressing that? Well, the that? thing I was saying was like, there's things we do. And to be fair, like some of the things when we talk about, like we have to close all things like this, because otherwise one problem is when you close the ones that need it, people are like, this is an outrage, look at this. And it's it's a moderation problem. Yeah. But what you wind up with is what we're basically saying is, and so yeah. you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. So if yeah. like 10% of these are like yeah. a giant nightmare, we're going to close 100%. Or sometimes it's not that, but the problem you get is right. if you have a society where the police go around and they make arrests and they're pretty damn good at it, and it mostly works and it's a smart system, yeah. but 10% of the time they arrest the wrong people. 10% yeah. of the arrests are false. Right. The society is very safe and the people are, you know, they're released. But if you live in a society where 10% of the time arrests are unfair arrests for someone who's dragging to jail, you believe the police are monsters, right? Yeah. Everyone hates them. No one trusts them. Because there's not, too many bad stories that you remember. Yeah, and there's a the availability bias is you remember yeah. every false sure, arrest. of course. You don't see all the crime not happening. Yeah. And so what you're stuck with is all don't these memories of injustice or you know yeah. bad actions. Yeah. And I think we are at a point where the percent of yep. things that are closed now are they're kind of black eyes. They're problematic. Too many problematic ones. And to be fair, what we basically did is we said, unless we could build these complex, awesome ways to handle this problem, we'll just not allow this type of thing to keep the system functioning so well. Well, there's sort of the case of like the airline that says, look, you have to put the whatever thing that you have with you under the seat in front of you. And really, that's so that you can get out quickly in case of an emergency. Right, it's all evacuation, right? All the airline rules. evacuation rules, right. But they don't have sort of a lot of complexity to those rules. Like, for example, you might point out, well, I can get out <laughs> because I'm on the window seat. And this little thing is to the left of my, I'm in the left window seat, you know, right. facing the, on the left side of the airplane. Right. And I've got a little bag to the left of my legs and it's not blocking anybody in this particular case. Not under the seat in front of me. It's to the left of my legs. It's not blocking anybody because there's a clear path from my leg. Nobody has to get past and you know, whatever. And it's like flight attendants don't have time to sit there and understand all the intricacies, and to actually right. plot out a route for 182 economy class passengers to leave the plane in case, like the Delta Airlines plane, it slides off the runway at LaGuardia. They don't have time to plan that. All they can do is enforce the simplest possible rule that you can right. give them. And that's what our moderators end up doing. We have a police force of 30,000 people that we barely even control, and we've only given the most, you know, it's not like they come and they take a class or that we can fire them as users if they misuse and, their And, and nor do we want to. Like, I think that whatever system we land on has to make it easy for them. To decide. And minimize the amount of debate yes. they have to get It'd into. Like, and bing. But I do think there's a bunch of problems, and one of them is that it is very easy to see what appear to be irrational, unhelpful yeah. closings online right, 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 that support right. a system that makes right. sense, but individually look right. terrible, frustrate people, yes. and make the world sad. So let's sad. move on to the second thing, which is the signpost yeah. issue, which is that one of the reasons that we close questions, and it's not the same as deleting them, and they don't just disappear, they actually remain there with the word close all over them, although it hasn't been called close for a while. It no, no. says on hold. Let's be clear. It's on hold yeah. for the first... Seven, seven days? Yeah. Five days, I think. And then five days, and then it turns cool. into close. Yeah. So one of the reasons we do that was the idea is if somebody is bad, you cut off their head, and you put their head <laughs> on a stick, and you put it in the center of town, and flies start buzzing around I'm it. sorry, Joel, this metaphor, I have to object. You put their head on a stake, not a stick, a stake. Stake. 
Okay. There's a well-established procedure okay. here, and we're going to get it right. I don't understand. No, but it's like a it's medium rare steak. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> heads on steak. No, that not st. A pike. I don't want to. Could be on the end of a. It could be on the end of a pike. It a could pike. be on a pike, but it's a steak. That's a fish, especially That's a if it's fish. above a a portcullis. It's always a metaphorical head on a spike. Spike. Signposts. ELU listeners, please write in with the etymology of head on a spike and tell Joel he's wrong. Carry on. Anyway, it's the Lord of the Flies, right? Because eventually the flies start swirling around it. They start worshiping it. And anybody who walks by says, what is that horrific looking, disgusting head with all the flies? And you're yes. like, this is a bad thing. This person did a very bad thing. We now have thousands and thousands of those. And the reason for that was hopefully to teach new people don't do this thing. And so that's where we are today. Should we continue? Well, I've... We've all here, I think all of us have been involved in things that supported this idea. And I have in the past, basically, when we changed things to on hold, we worked so hard to make people feel like they could improve it and it wasn't over. We still wanted to change it to closed eventually to make that signpost to convey to others. I no longer believe it. I don't buy it anymore. I'm not saying that we don't need some way to convey what our standards are somewhat consistently, but the notion that that is a net positive, I'm no longer a buyer of. And the reason is what we're assuming is... The people who see this, and remember, when people Google, they find mm -hmm. this. Many of them are not power users. They're not mm -hmm. frequent users of the site. They're programmers who land here a lot searching. Mm -hmm. They find these questions. And remember, if they landed there, Google is good. They're good at what they do. Google sent them to what they needed. Mm -hmm. They almost always mm -hmm. are finding what they wanted. It's mm -hmm. super useful. Mm -hmm. And we say is, we have this useful piece of information, but we look down our nose at it. We don't like it. We don't welcome any more. And everyone should know that. We would never permit it again. And so what they do is they take away this negative view, but let's think what we think we got from it is we're thinking that person who is Googling on the site and saw this, aha, now when they come here someday and they sign up and they were going to ask not any question, but a similar question of this closed type that is closed for this similar reason, they will remember that this question was not allowed and therefore not add to this problem. And I don't buy it. I think mm -hmm. what we have yeah. is a million people angry and like one person in the whole history who has learned in a way well, that mattered. No, well, actually, to be fair, the Stack Overflow community has learned. We are teaching the internet. There are the a lot of questions you know. can't ask on Stack Overflow. Yeah, the that, wider wait, programmer wait. community is learning not to ask questions on Stack Overflow. To be fair, the people whose job it is to close this kind of question have actually learned what the types of questions are that you're supposed to close. So we've taught somebody. Yeah, but that's a different... The question is, does everyone who sees a question have to learn that on the question for those people to learn it? But I want to come back to... I think signposts are a weaker argument than they're often made out to be. However, you know, whatever we're doing is training people to respond a certain way to certain types of questions. I think the problem is actually over-training, not yes. under-training. The temptation when you have rules is always to turn off your brain at some point. Yes. It's like there are some rules... Yes. Uh, thinking is too hard. I'm just going to follow the rules and blindly vote to close stuff. It's like the person that catches you doing something wrong when you're driving and honks at you. And it's because like, eh, oh, you went out of your lane. Like you weren't actually endangering anything. But I saw you actually go out of your lane and this makes me furious. And I caught you. Rules are the only thing holding our society Bam. together, Joel. We've got all these negatives. Huh? All these negatives. All these things that we know Don't can go wrong for good stay reasons. Stay in and your we've... lane and drive some certain speed the same direction as the other cars on that side of the road. These are dumb rules. They don't apply to me. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is... Buckle your seatbelts, kids. I give up. Go oh, why am I even here? I think... <laughs> uh, shut the whole you. thing down. <laughs> you were saying the signposts aren't the no, something, it, something. I, look, we've got all these negative checks for all these things that we've seen can go wrong, and we have seen them go wrong. And we added every one of those rules, every one of those closed reasons we added for a reason. Yes. Often a lot of reasons. Yes. There are good reasons to have them, and we can point to, for every one that got closed for a reason that maybe shouldn't have, yes, we can point to 10,000 that got closed for a good reason. However, that doesn't absolve us of the need to get better at closing the right ones. And the thing that has to balance out the, oh, well, did they follow the rules, is some sort of positive 
you know, desire to improve the internet, to share yes. knowledge. And we've got to be able to say, okay, technically this violates X rule, but this got a great answer. Can't we just agree that a great answer is good enough? Like, leave it around. I really don't think we're at the point where we're going to be, you know, inundated with questions that got great answers but are slightly off topic and therefore the site's going to collapse. Yeah. Can we do a thing where we... Uh... It's always upvoted answers, really, that, that we're worried about, right? I think there are very few cases, and there are some cases, which is what makes us hard, but there are very few cases where questions that are upvoted questions with upvoted answers, the cases where those should be closed are vanishingly narrow. Can't we just, like, secretly convert those from closed to protected? Protected annoys people just as much well, as closed because they don't know how to distinguish. But No, but you actually don't want them getting new answers added to them in Why? some of those cases. I got a good answer once. It could get a good answer again. You have to break out the different reasons that questions were a problem, right? So some of these are like, the question is a type that people sometimes don't like and sometimes do. And so like a good example is when you think about like some list questions, the kinds we were good at, where you could basically say like, what are the programming books everybody should read? Mm -hmm. And we the problem, no. we were. <sighs> we're so good at that, that now that we've deleted it, I'm not sure if that one's deleted, but one of these is deleted. There's a freaking GitHub repository that someone keeps up to date with it. But the point there was it had very specific problems. It would get out of date eventually is one problem. And there would always be somebody that would post the answer with 12 things. Well, but hang on. Right. It shouldn't generate rep, right? You cannot like be the first one to no, suggest. No, we saw that with the community wiki the, right, exactly. back in the day. But my point there is like in that case, the blunt closing does nine things and we'll use closing to fix this wasn't the right one to apply there. The mm -hmm. other problem we had with those was weeds. We were afraid we'd get a million of them, right? What is mm -hmm. the best beer if you're a programmer? What is the best blah, blah, blah. And the key there is like David said, at the end of the day, we don't really want to close questions that generate useful content. We just do sometimes, we close whole categories where the question is like others that cause problems that are real problems on the site. And what we need to do is we need to step back and think about why we close different types of questions and see which ones need no more answers allowed, no rep generated, actually should never be seen by anyone because they're that bad and they're different. And we kind of treat them all the same in some ways. And I think we can get better. One of the things that did happen in the wake of this. Okay, so we made a couple of changes. So let's, let's keep going. One thing we, we immediately looked at, Shog pointed out, this thing he's been meaning to get around to for a while, and somehow by me going and yelling in the Kogo room for an hour, I'm going to take credit for, you know, driving him to actually do this, but he did all the hard work. We changed closed vote aging. So you can go on Meta, we'll link to the post, we changed closed vote aging, but basically it's very simple now. Regardless of views, closed votes age after 14 days, they start aging away and they die one per day until they're dead. But you can come back and vote to close again. This is necessary because we had this problem where under 100 views, closed votes stick around forever. And so a question would just gradually drift up towards closure. That's fine. But questions under 100 views are long tail anyway. So that's not mostly what people are complaining about. They're not complaining about questions with under 100 views getting closed. They're complaining about questions with 30,000 views getting closed that were great questions with great answers, but that just barely ran afoul of a rule and therefore got closed. We haven't addressed that yet. I think we need to look at that. Questions that have been around for a long time, that are upvoted, that have a lot of views, a lot of upvoted answers, should be harder to close. And we don't quite have a solution to that yet. And I think that the closed vote aging problem highlights something too, where I think, like we said, we, we sort of overtrained, and I don't want to make it sound like the users aren't doing the right thing. We, we basically really encourage and push people to do a very important thing that then outgrows itself a little bit, which is one of the problems before closed vote aging is people were very, very frustrated, understandably, that there were so many questions on Stack Overflow that had some closed votes, but not five. And the notion was we're supposed to be clearing these things out and closing them and cleaning it up. Oh yeah, And it's the this big unfinished thing. task sitting there, not right. getting done that needs to be. And the truth is maybe those are bad closed votes or maybe not, but either way, 
those questions are not causing problems. Either they shouldn't have been voted to close in the first place, or maybe they should have, but so few people are seeing them that they can't rally enough attention for anyone to care. And that's where like, it was creating actually attention, I think, for users that were trying to help that we shouldn't have been creating, right? And that's why we don't want them just sitting out there is I think one of the main reasons. So I think we need to come back to that one. We're getting near the end of this, but there's a really interesting amount of posts. So one of the last things I ranted in the room was, let's do a thought experiment. What happened if we didn't have closed votes? So then uh, John Erickson actually took that and ran with it and posted it on Meta with a lot of pretty interesting analysis and got some really interesting answers. Again, to be clear, the goal is a thought experiment. Thought the, experiment. The goal is not to say, let's get rid of closed votes. It's to, let's- It's let's... like that experimentation you did in college after the party on <laughs> Just a thought experiment. The idea, the idea is... <laughs> Doesn't count towards your real life. Closed votes have taken on a life of their own, and they're often self-justifying. Like, look at all the stuff we've closed. Of course we need to close stuff. The idea is to ask, what breaks if we don't have closed votes? Yes. And there are things that break. Let's make sure we are addressing those things and only those things. Not just closing for the sake of closing, because, you know, we make kind of this philosophical argument that what makes Stack Overflow great is that it has this idea of on-topic and off-topic and closings. And I think that's true to an extent. However, that doesn't justify any closure whatsoever. What makes Stack Overflow great is not the fact that it closes stuff. What makes Stack Overflow great is that when you have a question, you find an answer on it, and it's on-topic. So the extent to which we have to close things to make that continue to be true, we want to keep doing that. But to the extent where we are closing things with good answers, we've gone off the rails. End of rant. I just, I, well, like, that's the end. Of the, <laughs> no, the one thing I think is really important to hit on top I made is one last, is when David says, like, I was really thinking about this over my vacation. And so I threw some thoughts into the chat room. What you need to understand is what actually happened was this is in Markdown, so it takes some work, an all bold and italicized message saying, Why the F did we close this? Look at it. Look at it. And David proceeded to spend, I would say, most of half a day. Posting questions angrily and screaming in type. It only felt like half a day for you. It was a solid hour. It was not what my family would describe as a vacation. Put it that way. It was a solid hour yeah. of ranting in our internal chat. My yeah. last note, Joel, is that just because a professor is involved does not make it a thought experiment in college. It's it's still just really experimentation. <laughs> oh, this is this is wonderful. All right. Okay. Is there anything else we need to talk about, or are we done? I think that's enough. Well, you've gone and wasted another hour of your life listening to Stack Exchange Podcast 63, recorded Friday, March 6, 2015, at Stack Exchange headquarters. This podcast was brought to you by Cool Whip, a whipped topping, not whipped cream. Cool Whip is available in an aerosol can using nitrous oxide as a propellant. For Jay Hanlon, David Fullerton, audio editor David Greenlee, ghost producer Abby Miller, and ex-producer Alex, who is doing something unsavory with cans of Cool Whip in the kitchen. I'm Joel Spolsky. Goodbye. 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 Artificial intelligences are going to get so smart that they take over the world. And I hope human so. Is a bug. Human beings are go home the when worst. That at the end of the movie, they'll cut back to Joel. At that moment, we didn't know he was an artificial <laughs> intelligence when he asked us that question, and it's going to show us all the clues we could have seen in the background had we been paying attention. <laughs> Delete Alex Miller. <laughs> Delete Alex Miller. I don't know. He feels pretty real. <laughs> Delete Alex. Miller. Unplug him and plug him back in again. Let's see what happens. We never told the caveman story. Yeah, can you tell the caveman story? No, we gotta save that for another podcast. Oh, it's so sad we had to bump the caveman again and Matt Damon. At this point, mass transit had shut down and all <laughs> hotels in walking distance were booked solid. 
Though we started checking accommodations as soon as we arrived on site, we had no luck finding any hotels. <laughs> Though the blizzard did far less than predicted, it was still stout enough to shut everything right. down. So we decided to go as late as we could and get ahead of schedule. To be clear, this was the decision of the guys on site, not management. At Stack Exchange, employees are trusted to get things done. However, they best perceive how to do that. It's something we really love about this job. <laughs> Please stop reading. That was like in the Lord of the Rings where they walked through moss <laughs> for 40 pages, and then they sing a song about the moss they walked through, and then they write a poem what was the song? about singing a song about walking song? through moss. Can you, what was the song? Don't Jay? get me. Do I, you All should right. do the song. And that is why movies are better than books. Please, please just do the podcast exit. Just, just, just end it.